Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to My Team, My Voice with MTMV Sports. This is Santia Deck, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. And the first headline is going to start off in the way of a quote. Thank you for the awesome experiences, Uncle Dana White. I will forever be grateful. Thank you for taking a chance on the sport that people thought would never make it. To all my coaches and fans, it's been a wonderful ride. Triple C out, end quote. With that, Cejudo has been removed from the UFC rankings and a vacant title fight was made between Piotr Jan and Jose Aldo, supposedly for Fight Island. Aldo was scheduled to fight Triple C in May, but COVID-19 kept that from happening. There's a mini bantamweight tourney this weekend, and it should produce a contender for the winner. There are rumors that Bellator will be back at the end of July, and Patricio Pitbull wants to be let off his leash. He was scheduled to defend his featherweight belt versus Pedro Carvalho in the quarterfinals of the featherweight Grand Prix on March 13th. That card was canceled due to COVID-19 the day of. Not only does he want to get that one completed, but he's talking about defending his lightweight belt by the end of the year. Then he wants a crack at the vacant bantamweight belt. He's just being greedy now, wanting all the belts. The only 5'5", and in his prime at 33 years of age, Pitbull is a tank. I don't know if he could get down safely to 135, and if he does, what will that do to his career long-term bouncing between three different weight classes? One Championship's new signature cards, the Infinity Series, got off to a false start. It was scheduled for May 29th, but that's been postponed, as with everything, due to COVID-19. The last card they hosted was in a close-to-the-public Singapore indoor stadium. Now, if you're looking for some ways to stay active, one has a kickboxing academy online. There you can watch videos of techniques and sharpen your skills while you stay fit. Download the One Championship app for access. Prayers for the week. We continue to pray for Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov, the father of Habib Nurmagomedov and patriarch of Eagle MMA. He has not been doing well, suffered a heart attack while dealing with COVID-19. To my knowledge, he's still in a coma regarding that haven't heard any updates as far as that's concerned so we continue to pray for him as well as andre dede petneris he is the head of novo Yao. he is also suffering from covid19 i haven't heard any updates regarding him as well so we continue to pray also praying for vanderlei silva he was out for a bike ride in Curitiba. I got hit by a car. 
this caused him to have a fractured foot as well as some facial scarring. He said, quote, my life was saved by a helmet for the second time, end quote. It's the second time because he was the victim of a hit and run while riding his bike four years ago. If I were him, I would stay off of major roads in Curitiba because he can't seem to stay on his bike or at least vehicles are not allowing him to stay on his bike as he's riding. Alright, on a brighter note, birthdays for the week. We have the winner of one of the greatest title fight upsets in MMA history. Former UFC welterweight champ Matt the Terror Sarah. Big Nog and Little Nog being twins. Their birthdays this week. Bellator light heavyweight tourney champ Christian Tonton Mpumbu. Former Invicta Bantamweight champ Tanya Evanger. Tough 12 finalist and St. Louis's own Michael the Menace Johnson. Kansas City, Missouri's king of MMA, the James Krause. And Invicta's ring boy, Elias the Spartan Theodora. Up next, some sweet science conversation in the old one, too. Hello, everyone. My name is Camille Grant, one of the co-founders of Purely Bachelorette. What we offer is a clean and fun bachelorette party box that is incorporated in bachelorette parties and bridal showers. Not only do we sell products for parties, we are also a community that strives to build each other up with relationship goals, sisterhood, and maturing in life with godly wisdom and advice. Come join us on our website, purelybachelorette.com, and our social media pages under Purely Bachelorette. God bless you and have a great day. Hey, yo, what up? It's Tori Deshaun, a.k.a. Boopy, and you listening to MTMV Sports. Scat. Time to go between the ropes and step into the squared circle for the old one-two. And in boxing news this week, Floyd Mayweather often makes headlines for not-so-positive things. This time it's different. He agreed to pay for the services of George Floyd. Back in 2011, he paid for former opponent Gennaro Hernandez's services. Leonard Ellerby, president of Mayweather Promotions, said, quote, He does these kinds of things all the time. Floyd has paid for the funeral expenses of others over 10 years, at least 30 times. It just shows the kind of person he is, end quote. Another display of his character is that Mayweather will not comment on the gesture. Memorial services will be held in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed, and in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he was born. His funeral is scheduled for 11 a.m. on June 8th in Houston, Texas. This is where he grew up and where he will be buried. We at MTMV Sports are praying for all the families involved. This isn't the only news that Mayweather's made recently. He said he's going to focus on training boxers and one of the most high-profile fighters under his tutelage is current WBC lightweight champ, Devin Haney. Devin has worked with the Mayweathers in the past, but Floyd wasn't training back then. Haney employs their vaunted shoulder roll defense and could be poised to take his trainer's spot as the biggest draw in boxing in the upcoming years. 
MTK Fight Night events will take place monthly for the foreseeable future starting in July. ESPN Plus will broadcast about live in association with top-ranked boxing as they have in the past. The British Boxing Board of Control will ensure the fighters' safety. MTK will work with other leading UK promoters to co-coordinate dates so that the BBB of C can cover the bounce. As with all other sports worldwide, the initial events will be held behind closed doors. Speaking of July, now that the California State Athletic Commission has given the green light for resuming fights, Golden Boy is eyeing Independence Day to return with their first car. Everyone will go through a testing protocol. The first test is two to three weeks out. Then a questionnaire is sent before they get there. Testing again upon arrival. They're not limiting the amount of people that can be at the event because everyone there has to be tested and it's all coming out of the promoter's pocket. That should ensure that only the essential people are in place because that piece proves a very costly line item in the promoter's budget. This is one of the reasons why Top Rank has stated that their cards are a little light to start off with. Aram said as the summer goes on, he plans on making bigger fights, but must take things slowly in the beginning because they're paving the way for all of the other major boxing promotions. They understand the level of responsibility they have to boxing as a whole to get it right. Speaking of boxing lineups, here are the fights that Top Rank will put on over the next couple of weeks. On Tuesday, June 9th, Shakur Stevenson at 13-0 with 7 KOs will come up in weight and face Felix Carvalho, who's 13-1-2 with 9 knockouts. Michaela Mayer will face Helen Joseph on that card. Mayer is a Olympian from 2016. She's undefeated. And she will be taking on Joseph, who comes from the motherland. My motherland, that is. Nigeria. Niger stand up. So, you know, your man, the voice will be watching with vested interest in seeing Joseph win. I do my level best to be unbiased. Unless it's someone from St. Louis or a Nigerian fighting, then all biases are towards those fighters. Anyway, on Thursday, June 11th, Jesse Magdaleno will face Yin Five Vincente. Magdaleno is 27 and 1 with 18 KOs. Vincente is 36, 4 and 2 with 8 KOs. Also on that card, you've got Adam Lopez taking on Luis Correa. Then on June 16th, which is a Tuesday, Joshua Greer is going to fight Mike Palania. Greer is out of Chicago and is really looking to make a statement. He's ranked number one by the WBO and second by the IBF. So hopefully if he does a good job against Mike, then he will get a shot at the bantamweight title. Now, Palania is out of the Philippines and he's got an eight fight win streak currently. Also on this card, Giovanni Santian 
takes on Antonio DeMarco. DeMarco is a former WBC lightweight champion, and Santian is an undefeated southpaw who just got hooked up with top rank not too long ago. On June 18th, Jose Pedraza will take on Mikel LePierre. Pedraza is 26 and 3 with 13 knockouts. LePierre is 22 1 and 1 with 10 knockouts. Pedraza was beat in his last outing by Jose Cepeda, so he's looking to rebound. LePierre also lost recently. He challenged Maurice Hooker, but dropped a unanimous decision to him. Then you have Gabe Flores, who is a new signee of J Prince Boxing. At 17-0-6, he'll be taking on Josec Ruiz, who's 21-2-3. Flores' father is the one who looked to get Junior some different representation. He's just 20 years old, still has a bit of way to go as far as his physical maturity and things are concerned. He's already doing his thing, though, at 17-0 with six knockouts. That or they have been bringing him along very nicely, uh, one of the two. This should be a nice showcase for Flores. All right, we will step back between the ropes and out of the ring. And after this break, we'll get into a little cage time on the MTMV main card. Keep it locked. Are you a believer who enjoys Marvel or DC Comics? Do you just love a good superhero story? You do? Awesome. Then check out Waywater Entertainment's new digital comic Legacy AD, now available on Amazon.com and the Amazon Kindle app. Get ready for a new superhero who loves and serves Jesus Christ. For more information, check out LegacyADCartoon.Squarespace.com. What's good? It's your boy Stephen Malcolm and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Let's get it. Red Corner, you ready? Blue, what about you? Because it's cage time. I wasn't going to cover the fight night card on June 13th in detail. But Dana announced the full card and things got a little more interesting. Normally men's flyweight bouts carry weight because of the lack of depth in the division. However, the ones on this card may just ensure that the winner gets to fight another day. We'll work our way backwards from the curtain jerker to the main event. And opening everything up is a featherweight bout between Jordan Griffin and Derek Minner. Ryan Benoit and Tyson Nam face off at flyweight. Julia Avia and Gina Mazzani face off at bantamweight. Then things get a little interesting. You got Kevin Aguilar versus Charles Boston Strong Rosa. Both have hardcore MMA street cred. The Angel of Death is a Dana White Contender Series alum and former LFA champ. 
Boston Strong is a seven-fight UFC vet. Rosa is two and three over his last five, and Aguilar is on a two-fight losing streak. So the winner may or may not stay in the big time with a win. Rosa has a pretty quick turnaround as he fought on the Ferguson Gagey card. Also on the prelims, you have Mariah Agapova versus Melissa Gatto at Bantamweight. Both of these ladies are making the UFC debut, but Gatto has been scheduled for two other fights in the UFC. She couldn't compete in either of them due to injury. Agapova hails from Kyrgyzstan and trains out of ATT. She competed in last year's Contender Series, but lost a unanimous decision to Tracy Cortez. Now, on the main card, things open up with Mark the Bumblebee de la Rosa at 11-4, taking on 14-7, Jordan Espinosa at Flyweight. Then, you got the Voices Marquee matchup, Ray the Taz Mexican Devil Borg versus Marab Davashili. Borg, the former 125-pound title challenger, lost a split decision to Ricky Simone on May 13th and is looking to get it back quickly versus Marab. Marab spoiled regional standout Raytheon stop shot at the UFC by knocking him out in 15 seconds of their bout, which was on Dana White's looking for a fight. The Cerro Longo rep lost his first two in the UFC, but is riding a three-fight win streak currently. At two and three over his last five, and being forced to move up in weight, Borg desperately needs a win. His son's bout with a rare disease and losing so much time due to an eye injury stemming from the McGregor-Dolly incident, Borg has got a lot on the line in this fight. That is why this is the Voices marquee matchup for this card. Also, you've got Andre Touchy Feely versus Charles Air Jordan. Touchy Feely is out of Team Alpha Male. He is 20 and 7. Jordan hails from Old Canada and is 10 and 2 in his career. This is a featherweight bout. Co-main event will be between Carl Baby K. Roberson and Martin the Italian Dream Vittori. And they will tangle at middleweight. Baby K is a season one Dan White Contender Series alum and has gone four and two since joining the UFC. He has a win over surging Jack Marshman and last loss in a light heavyweight fight with Glover Teixeira. Now, the Italian dream is no slouch and has faced stiff competition in his UFC tenure. A vet of seven fights, he's bested common opponent Cesar Fieda and lost a split decision to the current middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya. The main event, you've got Cynthia Calvillo versus Jessica Evil Eye at Women's Flyweight. I is a grizzled 10-year vet and former flyweight title challenger. One of the scariest head kick KOs I've ever seen was when she lost to Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, I literally thought she might be dead when she fell after it connected. Outside of that, I has yet to lose a flyweight and bounced back with the unanimous decision in her last bout. Calvillo had the machine behind her starting off. 
She fought on three pay-per-view cards in her first four fights. And the only fight that wasn't on pay-per-view was a co-main event on a fight night card. That earned her a spot as a body armor sponsor athlete, along with Francis Ngannou. After a failed drug test and trouble with her weight, the UFC stopped pushing her. But this is a chance at redemption with her first main card slot. UFC 250 is this weekend. It starts off with Evan Dunham and Herbert Burns. Evan hasn't won in nearly four years. Burns is a one championship vet that trained with Evolve MMA when he lived in Singapore. His brother beat Tyron Woodley last week and he looks to make it two in a row for the Burns clan. Currently on a four fight win streak, he stopped both of his opponents in his UFC run. Next fight is the undefeated Dana White Contender Series alum, Alonzo T. Minifield, who faces former LFA titleist Devin Brown Bear Clark at light heavyweight. Then Juicy A. Formiga and Alex Perez battle at Flyweight. For Perez, a win puts him on a three fight win streak and on a short list of opponents for the winner of the Benavidez Figueredo bout on July 18th. Juicy A has lost his last two straight, but his last win was over Figueredo, so a win could make a rematch very attractive. However, he also lost to Joe Benavidez, so if he emerges victorious, he probably would need one more win to get a shot at gold. Next up, you have a middleweight bout between Kid Dynamite, Charles Bird, and Maki Coconut Bombs Patolo. Bird and Minifield are teammates at Fortis MMA. Maki fought on the Belt to Hawaii card where Elimelay McFarlane defended her belt versus Valerie Letourneau. He then won a UFC contract on Dana White's Contender Series, but he lost in his debut in October. Cody, the Spartan Stamen, and Brian Boone Kelleher are up next. The Spartan is a betting favorite coming into the fight. He had a draw with Song Dong in his last bout, while Boom has been lowering the boom and stopped his last two opponents. Even with the quarantine, this is Brian's third fight in 2020. And his second one within 30 days as he fought in Jacksonville on May 13th. Part of this is due to the fact that he's not cutting as much weight as he normally would. These fights have been at featherweight, where normally he fights at bantamweight. Up next, you have Dana White Contender Series alum in the Hurricane Heinish taking on GM3, Gerald Mearshart. And it should be a nice, fun scrap at middleweight. The Ozmakers have it fairly even going in. Hurricane, as I stated, is a contender series alum. When he came into the UFC, he looked like a budding contender, but he's lost two straight decisions, one to Derek Brunson and the other to Omari Akhmedov. Likewise, the Rufus Sport rep GM3 came in hot, winning four out of five as he started his UFC career. He's two and three in his last five, though, but he had a nice showing in his last outing, submitting DC's mini-me, Duran Wynn. The featured prelim bout 
pits, 9-0-1. Featherweight, Chase the Dream Hooper versus 11-12, Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres. Hooper, who is somewhat a doppelganger for Tyron Woodley's best friend, former one championship welterweight champion, as well as former Bellator welterweight champion Ben Askren. He, he looks like he could be a son for real. Anyway, Hooper is 11 years Caceres' junior and has stopped seven out of nine of his wins. Three of them by knockout, four of them by submission. He's favored, but not by much. And that's because Bruce Leroy is a banger. The fan favorite from Tough 12 is all about testing his skills and has been doing so in the UFC since 2001. He's been trading wins and losses as of late, though. And if that trend continues, Hooper's hand will get raised. If Bruce Leroy happens to be victorious, though, it'll be the first winning streak that he's had in four years. Now, the curtain jerker for the main card features 11-0 Sugar Sean O'Malley versus 24-10 Eddie Wineman in the first fight of the unofficial Bantamweight tournament. This seems like a showcase fight for the undefeated O'Malley. He's had the most success of all the Dana White contender series alone, and the machine continues to push him, though he's had multiple layoffs due to USADA suspensions. Wineland has name value because he's been at it since 2003. He started with Zufa under the WEC banner and has been in the UFC since 2011. He's fought a who's who, including John Dotson, Uriah Faber, Joe Benavidez, and he was an interim title challenger versus Henan Barral. He's 3-2 over his last five, including a KO win in his last outing, and he's hoping to turn back the clock again. But historically, Wineland struggles with those who have good movement. That's why it seems like this match was set up by the matchmakers to put a spotlight on the Sugar Show. Next fight is Neil Magny versus Anthony Rocco Martin. Since his reinvention by using his whole government name, Martin has only lost once being submitted by Damian Maya. And I mean, who doesn't get submitted by Damian Maya? Well, quite a few people, but if he gets you down to the ground, yeah, it's probably going to be a quick night. Magni came back from a USADA suspension looking good, stopping the three-fight win streak of the leech, Li Jing Leon. The next fight up is the Voices marquee matchup. And it's between Al Jermaine, Funkmaster Sterling, and Corey Sanhagen. The winner should be next in line for the bantamweight title. Sanhagen is undefeated in his five-fight UFC career. This alone should make him the number one contender if he were to beat Sterling. That's a big ask, though, as Aljo is 4-1 over his last five, and he's faced the tougher opposition in his UFC career. However, the one common opponent that Sterling and Sanhagen have, Javier Asuncao, yeah, he beat Sterling, where Sanhagen was able to best him. That's all MMA math. Doesn't matter when they get in the cage together, but it is an important point of note. 
This is also Al Jermaine's first fight since suffering a wrist injury. How will his hand hold up? Does Corey really have the goods? So many question marks and so much on the line. That's why it's the Voices Marking matchup. Now, speaking of a Sun Sal, he faces the former bantamweight champ, Cody No Love Garbrandt, in the co-main event and the somewhat finale of the bantamweight tournament. Honestly, the previous fight should have been in this spot, but Cody's name recognition trumps things for marketing purposes. Rafael has been workmanlike in his career. No one part of his game stands out. He just gets the job done. When facing top talent, sometimes he will get it done. And sometimes he won't. When he faced Aljo, TJ Dillashaw, and Marlon Marais, he won. When he rematched Dillashaw and Marlon Marais, as well as faced Sanhagen in his last bout, he lost. Will a win put a Sun Sao in title contention because of his fighting style? Probably not. On the other hand, if Cody looks good, he'll probably leapfrog the winner of the Voices Marquee matchup. And that's another reason why this is the co-main. Should that be the case, though? No, it really shouldn't. No Love has lost his last three fights in a row, all of them by knockout. He went to the Garden State to switch things up, training with Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida. And he had this to say about his approach. Quote, I'm obsessed with this sport. I'm obsessed with getting better. I'm obsessed with winning. Losing is a part of it. It challenges you to grow. End quote. So obviously, he's motivated to get things back on track. Bantamweight is stacked with killers. Unfortunately, most of the fighters with name recognition are in the twilight of their careers. That hasn't stopped the UFC from putting them in title fights. Just look at Cejudo's last defense. Okay, that's going to do it for Cage Time. Let's take a pause for the cause, and when I come back, it's time for the main event. This is Hugh Douglas from 9290 Game, and you listen to MTMB Sports. Fight fans. The time has now come for the main event. And in the main event for the MTMV main card, episode 127, we have Amanda, the Lioness Nunez versus Felicia, the Phenom Spencer. Amanda has a lot of pressure on her right now. She has the pressure making history as the first double champ to defend both championships while holding both you've had double champs in the past like Conor McGregor like Daniel Cormier like Henry Cejudo but none of the people that I just mentioned ever held both titles and defended both titles while holding them DC was the first to defend a title while holding both but soon after that defense he had to give up the light heavyweight title 
he never defended the light heavyweight title after capturing the heavyweight belt. Henry Cejudo, he held both the bantamweight and the flyweight titles, but before he defended the flyweight title, or actually really soon after getting the bantamweight title, he relinquished the flyweight. So, again, no one has held both and defended both. Nunez beat Cyborg to capture the featherweight title. Since then, she's dropped back down to bantamweight and defended that title. So now if she defends the featherweight title as well, she'll be the first and the only one to do both. That's a lot. On top of that, there are a lot of stresses going on at home. There is a brand new baby getting ready to come into her home. How does that impact things? The person carrying the baby, her girlfriend, fiance, I don't know what uh, they call themselves. I know she'll say wife sometimes, but to my knowledge, they're not legally married. Either way it goes, she, Nina Ansaroff, is normally in the corner of Amanda. She won't be there because of COVID-19 and because of her being pregnant. I mean, well into her pregnancy. How is that going to impact things? She was dominant in her victory over Jermaine Durandamy, but she looked lackluster in doing it. It was like, I'm kind of going through the motions. Durandamy's catching me with some stuff. I need to win. Let me just take her down and hold her and win the fight that way. So how are things going to fare now that she's at 145 pounds again? Granted, in this fight, I don't think she did the same kinds of things she did to make sure that she had the proper weight on her as she did for the fight with Cyborg. But how is all of this going to play out? They asked her to fight last pay-per-view to be on that card. And she was like, nope, it's not enough time for me to get ready. So pushed it back to this card. It's been about a month now. Is that enough time though? We don't know. One thing that we do know about Spencer is that she's very, very young in her fight career. This fight with Nunez will be her 10th professional fight. Now, she's a tough out. You can ask Cyborg about that. She comes to fight every time that cage door locks. Her strength is on the ground, and that's an area where Amanda has shown vulnerability, including her last loss in 2014 to Katz and again, when she fought Durandamy not too long ago, did she get her down? Yes. But she really didn't do anything with her there. Where if it goes to the ground with Spencer, better believe she is going to be working from her guard, throwing up triangles, fishing for arm bars, doing whatever she can to try to end the fight. The champ is a negative 600 favorite to the Phenoms plus 400. Much of this is due to Nunez defeating every single champion that the UFC has had at bantamweight or featherweight for the women. She beat Durandamy, the very first featherweight champion. Beat her at bantamweight. She beat Cyborg, Holmes, Tate, Rousey. Oh, and she's beat Valentina Shevchenko who is the 
flyweight champion. Now, granted, she beat her at bantamweight, but not only did she beat her, she beat her twice. So, yeah, she's beaten pretty much every single champion that the UFC has had in the women's divisions outside of the ladies who have fought at strawweight. To say she's the GOAT is not an understatement. It's no stretch whatsoever. And she's comfortable. Okay, yep, I'm the GOAT. But does that go to your head now? And on top of this, Amanda has been beaten. She's not undefeated. Bullets volume striking gave her fits. And I truly believe she won each of those fights being Shevchenko. I think she won both of them. The last one was a bit closer. But the first fight that they had, I think the Shevchenko beat her. Anyway, Felicia does not have the same kind of game that Bully does. Again, we've seen that heavy striking cause some problems for Amanda. We've also seen strong ground games cause problems for Amanda. If she's victorious, Spencer, it would be probably due to the ground game. I doubt very seriously that she's going to be able to beat her striking. Also, if the Phenom wins, she will be the first Canadian to hold a belt since GSP. A UFC belt, that is. Spencer is not supposed to win this fight. But neither was Gilbert Burns supposed to beat Tyron Woodley last week. This is why the games are played and the fights take place. Because you never know what will happen when the pin drops, the cage door locks, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. This has been episode 127 of the MTMV main card. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Look for MTMV Sports there. Subscribe, hit the bell, get all of the notifications, and like the content when it comes out. We got a phenomenal, phenomenal person doing our video work. You get to see our beautiful faces. It's good all the way around, so make sure you're taking advantage of that as well. Fortunately, your man, The Voice, is able to keep his word for the month of June. My goal is to give you a main card on the first Friday of each month. Mission accomplished. You'll be getting some fight night updates throughout the rest of the month. And if time permits, I'll come back with another maybe mid-month. Hopefully, I get a chance to give you one more this month. If not, then we'll see you at the top of July. Until next time, sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice, it's your man. The myth, the legend, the voice, host of the MTMV main card, and I'm sounding off.